0: Fight Club. Uh, my name is Justin. And I'm Chuck. We are your hosts. And uh, today we uh, we had an idea, so we've done ten episodes. We thought maybe today we'd talk about kind of the things we've learned and maybe some additional thoughts we've had on the different topics we've covered, and uh, you know, just kind of go through our shows, and you know. We, we've also in uh gotten a lot of feedback from the listeners and we really appreciate that and thank you guys for listening and thanks for contributing and and being involved in the discussion and we've got some more people lined up to to fight and so um hopefully we'll get get more uh in, in that pool as well if you're interested in debating a topic with somebody uh let us know. So first off I thought, you know, let's let's talk about what this show is trying to accomplish, right? Cuz we've yeah. gotten some feedback about, you know, we're not really generating fights. <laughs> so, you know, do we change the name to, what, what was your suggestion? Uh, <laughs> Mild Disagreement Club. Yeah. I, don't... <laughs> I, I, I think that's a less appealing name, but yeah. Uh, so I guess the purpose of this is not necessarily to get people up in arms and fighting and yelling and screaming matches. Those usually are not very productive. What we want to do is cover two sides of an issue. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's, tricky in some ways, like, there, you know, the UV debate or the UV discussion that we had between uh, Ryan McVeigh and, and, um, Zach Loafman, Zach Lofman, <laughs> my, yeah. my brain not working That's anyway. Right. Yeah. I'm, so like I'm we want to have some flights. So mine's not either. <laughs> we want to have them debate or discuss both sides of the issue because yeah, obviously it's probably a good idea to use UV with a lot of reptiles that we keep. But you know, there's mm-hmm. there's arguments against it, and there's technology. So so we'll get into that when we talk about that that one. And um, but but I, I, guess I the mean perp- I think the, yeah yeah go ahead go ahead I'm sorry go ahead. No, you know, no yeah the purpose of this is not necessarily to have people on that are diametrically opposed to yell at each other and you know <laughs> actually fight. It's to discuss a topic to pre- present both sides of an issue um, because nothing's simple nothing's just black and white. You do this, you don't do this. Right. There's a lot of gray areas, especially with reptiles and we're ever increasing our knowledge. We're developing new products and sometimes, you know, those products may not be the best products, right. You know, just because it's innovative or new doesn't mean it's always great. I'm sure at the time, uh, hot rocks were probably heralded as the next (laughs) big thing, you know, and in herbiculture. And now we look back at them pretty, pretty, uh, aghast, but also, you know, Maybe there's a purpose for them, and maybe mm-hmm. a different method of making a hot rock wouldn't be a bad idea. So you know, there's lots of lots of things to consider. It's never just a yes. Hot rocks are bad. <laughs> you yeah. know, there there might be a, a way that we could use that. And, and I'm I've, I've heard of people using those things. You know, they'll run run heat cable through. I mean, that's heat cable is basically a same thing. You just you rock, just right? you, yeah, hot rocks
1: just a heat cable with a giant. <laughs> Heat sink on it you exactly, know? So. and
0: and I think in an appropriate environment, hot rock might not be the worst worst thing yeah. in the world to use. Yeah. You know, as as long as you're uh, covering some other bases. So yeah. we're we're generating discussion, um, yeah, but. The Reptile Discussion Generator podcast was not as catchy a name, and so we went with Reptile Pike.
1: Well, and (laughs) I mean, come on, man. You remember back in in the old MP days where, I mean, guys used to get into it, and there were guys who legitimately hated each other at that time. And, you know, as as interesting as that is to, you know, kind of like, holy crap, it's going off today. These guys are, oh, man, it's just straight name. Code. Like, you know, there's a <laughs> yeah. drama around it, right? And I get that people like that drama. Um, sure. And I get that that sparks an interest. But at the same time, like you know if we went on there and just did that you know promoted a name calling mudslinging dragging people down one no one would want to come on this show cuz it would be risky for them if they ran a, a reptile business or had a or were trying to make a name or had a name for themselves yeah. um so you know you have to be able to employ some tact and professionalism when you're um you know we, hopefully when you're doing anything out to the public and you know i think our message is, is one of education and you know something of thought-provoking. And so getting down in the weeds uh, with how we do our show m- may not really be very lockstep with that message that we're trying to uh, portray. So yep. I get people's frustration. Everybody wants a good, you know, uh, fist <laughs> But I just think that, you know, uh, we do it where we can. Um, And, and, you know, I have I have no problem saying things that, you know, aren't might not be considered nice, but I'm just not going to say them in a not not nice way. True. Right, Yep. you have yeah. to listen listen subtly for the thing the points that are made here, and take away your own conclusions. We're helping people draw their own conclusions based on uh, back and forth conversation here, and if it yeah. doesn't sound right, somebody says something that doesn't sound right or whatever, and maybe we touch on that, but we don't like jump on top of them for that. Well, there's a reason why we didn't, but it's not because we don't recognize that maybe they're full of shit or whatever,
0: yeah. Yep. So um, I guess I, I do remember those days when people would be throwing you know yelling and screaming and calling names and it just wasn't productive. You know no. nothing came of that. No. Nobody changes their mind or, or considers the other side because it's it's a cult of personality more so than a, than a discussion and, and yeah. sharing of ideas and, and well and that's that's education. what it felt like. It felt yeah.
1: like a power struggle, right? Yep.
0: You kind of sided with the guy that you thought w- had a better argument or that yeah. was, that had nicer animals that you wanted. And so yep. you <laughs> aligned with yep. their idea. I don't know. You know, there's lots of reasons for people jumping on board. And, you know, um, there was some discussion of that in one of the, um, episodes, I, I think it was the NPR, uh, I think Eric brought it up where, you know, people want beef, you know, people mm-hmm. like that and, and like the drama but I, I think that's kind of a lowest common denominator. I I don't want to have this show be about beefs and be about you know like personal uh, vendettas against other other uh, individuals. So you know we want to keep this professional. We want to keep it uh, educational. We want to keep that well. Up. And so, I mean,
1: hey know. man, hopefully, hopefully, if you do have a beef with somebody, like a beef, and you mm-hmm. want to come work it out here, cool. Cool, sure. come on, yeah. come on yeah. over, come on in. But I'm not going to sit here and try to push it over the edge to make it, yeah. you know, some something crazier. I'd like to bring some, you know, some, some resolution out of it. So, yeah. you know, if, if all we're doing is, you know, just inciting people to name call and yell and whatever, I mean... In the end, I don't, I don't see, I don't see where that takes us, and and yeah. I, I feel like we need to have a way forward, um, in the in the industry, in the podcast, whatever. Um, so you know, I just maybe that was the young me that liked that drama, and 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 I still, you know, I enjoy a good argument, and I, I, yeah, I want to make sure that uh, you know, it, it, it does, it drives me crazy when people say some bullshit, and it's like, man, nobody calls them out for that, like nobody yeah. like stops <laughs> and is like, really. Can, can you, uh-huh. can you substantiate that claim you're making there all day? Yep. No. Yep. Okay. Cool. Thanks, man. You know, yeah.
0: um, I, I was listening to Carpets and Coffee, and those guys kind of uh, went over some of those topics. You know, well, and went, yeah, and Eric mentioned yeah. that he kind of questioned one of their you know interviewees that then you know, and and kind of pushed them for a little more information on some of the claims they were making. And I, you know, as a as a scientist, I'm always skeptical when somebody is it makes bold or absolute claims mm-hmm. you know that's kind of like a, a warning sign to me if they have yeah. all the, have everything figured out and they know all there is to know about it you're like well, well <laughs> do yeah. you really you know or do you know well, just enough to be dangerous because and, people with with a little bit of knowledge and and not the best intentions can can make a lot of bad negative uh, inroads you know they can Absolutely convince people that they know exactly what they're talking about and um you know and and a lot of times that's people just trying to sell you something Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you know be careful of what you what you believe
1: well there's a lot of smart people out there who can take a little bit of knowledge and lay it out in a certain way that that looks good and and what they don't do is lay it out in a way where it's like here's everything here's my rationed argument across the table here's all the research here's all this i found this 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 Look, look for yourself. Go ahead, look yeah. for yourself.
0: You know, th- and, and while there are two sides to every coin, I mean, there's some issues. Uh, you know, as a virologist, right? I, mm-hmm. I hear a lot about the COVID uh, yeah. situation and the vaccine and things like that. And I hear these so-called experts or doctors getting on and talking, and they they ha- sound like they know what they're talking about to somebody who's not in the field. Yeah. But if you're in that field, you look at their arguments and you're like oh, there's holes all through that, man. You're coming at me with a with a sieve, you know? Yeah. It's ridiculous, some of the things. But then people eat it up because, oh, I'm a doctor. You know, sure. you should trust me, you know? It's like, sure. well, what are you a doctor of? And they're like, an ear, nose, and throat doctor? What, yeah. you know? It's like, you have no... Basis in virology, you, you and your the ideas you're promoting don't don't hold up in immunology or any other. You know mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous. So well, and I you mean, you know, it's and, but it's hard because yeah. they they're the experts, they're the doctors. You should trust your doctor, that kind of thing. But in in that regard, no, you know, yeah. maybe they're a great ear, nose, and throat doctor, but they're not a virologist and they're not an immunologist, and so their concepts are flawed in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's especially. Scary when they're trying to um, promote something that, you know, keeps people from being vaccinated, because right now, I mean, that's the best thing we got. Is there risk to vaccination? Sure. Is there risk to getting in a car? Of course. But we do the things we need to do. There's a lot of diseases that we are not aware of or even care about anymore because they've been eliminated through vaccination. Now some of those are making inroads back because people aren't getting vaccinated mm-hmm. and I guess we shouldn't get me started on the whole you know, vaccine thing because well, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that vaccination is the way forward to, to get rid of some of these uh, And, you know, maybe you're a a Darwinist who believes that, yeah, let's just let these things run their course and bump off a few people, and that's fine, but, you know, I I don't have that attitude about it, so, like... You know, let's protect the Statistically, people from viral
1: statistically speaking, if you don't believe in vaccines, it seems like right now that's working itself
0: out, you know what yeah, I mean? Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I, I mean, to some extent. I, you know, I mean, 99% of the people who are dying are, have not been vaccinated. Yeah. Anyway, this is not the yeah. vaccine show. This is not, no, this you know, is not. virology fight club. Let's yeah. uh, move on with some reptile topics. Is, but, yeah. um, you know, just, just a, an, uh, a kind of an, an example of. People buying into things based on an expert, you know, a so-called expert um, who is giving completely wrong information. You know, how do we know truth from fiction? And it takes a little bit of background work. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, people and people like to hold people to their previous views, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. if you believe something back in the <laughs> early two thousands and and you kind of learn more and changed your attitude about it or or you know, you changed your position, people are gonna call you a flip flopper or whatever. But that's how that's how this goes, right? We yeah. don't we don't have to be held to the belief that first popped into our head. We well, can continue and, to learn and grow and develop. But I will say this, that 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 there are those people who Expouse certain views
1: um, that I know from back in the day, and they've changed some of those opinions, but Mm -hmm. they never go back and are like, yeah, I I might have not been right about (laughs) that. Or You know, it was just kind of like they just kind of gloss over it, and that's kind of like, hey, I will never hold anything against you as long as you own it. As long as you're like, "Yeah, yeah, I thought that back in the day. I don't know why I I I clearly, I just, I was wrong or, you know, I've changed my opinion or Mm -hmm. I've come across new things have come to light, man, you know, like, so, um, that's true, you know, it's just, (laughs) but, but, but the, the whole, like, I, I had this stance as my tact towards, you know maybe selling animals or whatever i was whatever you know i was i was using to promote my my then and then now it's something different but you know you make no apology for it and it's completely against what you were saying back in the day it's kind of like mm-hmm. oh, that yeah. comes off as a little disingenuous yeah, um, yeah. but sure. but at the same time like i totally agree with you um i even if you can't own it, I know, and other people know. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, most things are documented these days, you yeah. Know, some so, record or so maybe less so than back in the day. You could go back to their old thread and say, "Yeah, here's what you said." Five years ago, you know. Yeah. What, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And so I mean,
0: people you know, it's
1: it's still out there whether you want to admit it or not. And thankfully <laughs> you're changing your tune for the better, hopefully. Um yeah. but you know, it, it it is what it is. So Yeah, and
0: we welcome people to change their attitudes and ideas and you know, their thoughts, so. you know. Let's let's yeah. look into these things. So that's yeah. what this is for. So I guess well, we came in a little yeah. Came in it's, a little it's hard hot. to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You know, got got into the meat of things. Uh, no, no chit chat. But you, how how are things going for you, man? You, you look. Sounds like you had a nice uh, trip did. out to, you to visit yeah, your family. I had, I had awesome. a
1: great trip out to visit my family. Air travels really crazy right now. A lot of people <laughs> yeah. are traveling. Uh, very crowded airports. Late airplanes. It was, you know. Um, it was a it was crazy getting into indie it was crazy getting home I'm finally home thank God uh, had a wonderful yeah. time caught a uh, Indianapolis Indians game so they're uh, nice. they're a farm uh, like a farm league team mm-hmm. um, and uh, great game. Um, Cool. so just hung yeah. out with my family yeah just just a really nice time man but yeah uh, you know like like any nice time it's always good to be home and yeah. sleeping in yeah. your own bed and For um sure. you know i got got stuff to deal with back here animal wise <laughs> so it's like yeah.
0: you know that worry always is like oh, i hope everything's going okay right. so
1: everything's fine
0: but that's good Yeah, that's good yeah, yeah it's uh i mean despite the the hassles of air travel it sure sure beats driving the, all the way to indianapolis oh, yeah. So, yeah yeah <laughs> like for sure yeah for so sure. it's it's nice to be able to fly again i'm really looking forward to getting to australia again <laughs> yeah <laughs> can't wait to get back there but for sure hopefully uh 2023 Maybe at the latest. Hopefully, they're letting people back in. I don't know. With all this Delta variant, and places shutting down again, man. It just keeps pushing things back. It's yeah, it's not. And there's a uh, yeah.
1: there is now a Lambda variant. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you see there, that? I, I I haven't seen that. I, I so I was just they, they had the yeah. la, the the like the the parody off of Revenge of the Nerds, like the <laughs> Lambda Lambda oh, Moo. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, it's the Lambda variant. And, uh, <laughs> I do
0: not seen that. But there, um, uh, there, there's gonna be more. You know, oh, I'm sure cool. that'll that'll come out, and some yeah. are more important than others. It seems yeah. like this Delta one is pretty um, important, and I mean, it's causing yeah. a lot of the disease and mortality right now. So, yeah, yeah be careful. Well, it's well there.
1: over. I think it's eighty something percent of all all positive yeah. cases now are Delta variant cases. Yep. So it's yep. a, definitely
0: becoming the dominant. Uh, strain of COVID nineteen, so yeah, and with with viruses, I mean that's kind of what it is. It's an arm race yeah. against you know your own immune system, and so if it can change a little bit and not compromise its own replication, um, it can come back, you know, and and, and cause mm-hmm. infections again, even though people have been exposed to it. Luckily, the vaccine seems yeah. to work. You know, pretty well against the mm-hmm. Delta variant, and uh, mm-hmm. as well as the original variants, and hopefully future variants. You know, that's yeah. that's uh, always the question. But um, again, back to reptiles, right? Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, um, I just had a I just checked the incubator, and I've got a clutch of Western Stimson's pythons hatching out. So that's nice. always nice. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I had to make some make some more hatchling racks because I was running out of room. So I'm, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I didn't even get any uh, carpets or anything. I think I just have too many holdbacks. I need to get some ads out. I'm trying to train my daughter how to take pictures <laughs> how, and how to... <laughs> get the ads out. Yeah, sell my snakes for me. We've got a couple of reptile shows coming out. There's a new show coming to um, Utah, so that's nice. We'll have a another uh, reptile show we can vend at. So when's that you know, at? When are they? Um, it's in August. I'm trying to think of the. Oh, name this is a show. good time frame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. Let me—I I should have prepared for this, but let me get the name of the reptile show. Um, but yeah, we're we're pretty stoked for uh, for another show in Utah. There's mm-hmm. there's been uh, so it's Reptile Nation Expo or Reptilian Nation Expo. So um, they they've been doing shows in Colorado and some other states. So cool. I guess they're yeah Reptilian Nation Expo. And uh looks like it's shaping up to be a good show. Uh Nice. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. But I'm ready yeah. to get
1: back to a reptile show.
0: I know it's I it's, it's been nice. You kind of miss it, right? It's like Yeah, kinda, I do. Well, and words. it's funny cuz I hear other people
1: being like, "Yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go back." I like, guess I'm I'm over it. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess all things in their place, but uh but yeah, yeah. I definitely miss walking tables and talking people up and, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's out. almost more almost like fun. Less to, to buy animals or to sell animals, but more to see the community, yeah. you know. I, yeah, I, no, I, I, I do I mean, enjoy I, the local shows for that reason. I feel like if I'm going to get an animal, I've already
1: got that lined up, uh, but yeah. uh, m- b- but most of it's just, you know, yeah. hooking up so, with uh, old friends.
0: Yeah, so the Reptilian Nation Expo is in Salt Lake City on August 28th and 29th at the Mountain American Expo Center, so should be fun All Right. To, yeah, yeah you heard show. it now. You heard it here first it from the doctor. <laughs> yeah. The Wasatch Reptile Show has been going on for years and years and it's it's a good standard, you know. We we've always supported Guy and and that show yeah. and it's it's always a good show, so we enjoy the local show. So hopefully, you know, there's you know, there should be room for another show and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's a few months before the uh, Wasatch Reptile Expo, so yeah, I uh I think people will be happy to attend both. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. they wouldn't, but we'll see we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited for that. Um yeah. You got anything just, else? Uh, Uh, I've got my, my buddy Brody. I, I sent my ball pythons to him on breeding loan and, and, uh, he produced a bunch of them. So I get to go pick some up, some babies up today. So I'll have some ball pythons uh, or Royal pythons, if you will. And, uh, it should be, uh, fun to have some, some baby ball pythons again. I, you know, I, I, I really did enjoy, um, keeping you know the different morphs and producing a bunch of different color variants and stuff that is kind of a fun thing you know hatching out the eggs and seeing all these crazy you know color patterns and stuff so
1: i I get it man i I, still yeah (laughs) Yeah. i still i mean i ball pythons was one of those snakes i kind of started out with and i've i've had and i I got i don't anymore when i slimmed down but uh but I still like. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I just i I get that people, you know, it's not the most interesting. It's not the most cutting edge, you know. Uh, if you're not in the the front of the ball python game, you're not in the game. Like whatever. Yeah. I, I yeah. just I just yeah. I just enjoy them, and I, I do. I love how those babies, you know, a lot of those morphs come out of the egg just looking slamming, dude. Yeah, um, yeah. So and and they're fun. They're fun. I you know screw screw anybody with a negative opinion about it it's, yeah, if it's not for you or you know like use it like you're like hey exactly. I got I want to focus other places yeah I I, I can find a, a home for these and work something out like cool man good yes awesome yeah. you know but but yeah. like just that whole like you know uh by, ball pythons are the the <laughs> you know the ruin yeah. of this community yeah. like nah, whatever dude <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Maybe we have to have a topic on that, you know. Yeah. Ball pythons—the ruin of the reptile industry. <laughs> we'll have a future episode, but I—I I mean, obviously they're very popular, and yeah. and there's a lot of fun stuff, and people, you know, some breeders made a lot of money off of ball pythons, and for sure, you know that, and you know, you got your pluses and minuses there, but you know, I, sure. I enjoyed them for what they were, but yeah, I had other projects I wanted to focus on. I wanted to get those, uh, Western Simpson pythons kind of established and, and out, you know, to as many people as possible. And we've done very well with those. And so, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm, I was just running out of room and running out of time and I wasn't really doing much with them. So I had some, you know, pretty fun, um, morphs and some some i i think i even had maybe a world's first it's i i as far as i could tell i don't think anybody else had proven that not that that's a a big accomplishment these days was with so many combinations you can make yeah. but yeah. um so you know it was it was what, super pastel sugar mojave or something like that and it was pretty nice looking animal you know it was nice. pretty fun so um and and brody's you know he's he's a great guy he, he he's got some a cool collection pretty diverse collection and uh he's you know had some room and decided to to take those on on a breeding loan and he did did very well with them got most of them to to produce even some that i've had for a long time that never produced for me he he got a clutch out of them so you know more power to you brody (laughs) thanks for 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 making that work teamwork making the dream work dude yeah right a lot of times breeding loans don't don't work out so well so you know (laughs) yeah brody brody's a he's the real deal so yeah, yep. it's it's fun. We've been vending some shows together out here too. So, he, yeah, it's really fun to to vend with him, and he's he's a good guy. Uh, does good work with the animals. So cool. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, we we're, uh, things are going well here. Waiting for some Amy eggs to hatch, and that's about le- all that's left in the incubator right now. Um, just trying to get all these babies feeding, and like I said last time, we got some. You know, the pygmies and some of the pygmies this year started eating Mm -hmm. right off the, right off the bat. So that's exciting. And I get more and more feeding. Now, the downside is during this time of year and especially this hot, hot year, uh, the mice kind of slow down in their production. I still haven't figured out how to do very well during the summer with the mice. I need to get some heavy duty fans in that, Mm -hmm. in the mouth shed or something, try to move some air. So they, they keep being productive during the time when I need them to be productive
1: yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's I mean, almost it. you almost have to either put them in a cr- climate controlled environment yeah. uh, or yeah. you know you you're just kind of live with that that yeah. lull in
0: uh, lull in food production yeah um, for sure luckily nice. the wild mice have slowed down in their production right. haven't seen any uh, wild mice for a while to- and that's uh, what a frustration that's been you know trying yeah. to figure that out but it's nice they finally have Kicked off, or I poisoned them enough to <laughs> not see him anymore. But yeah, so yeah, things are going well. Just gotta sell some animals. So if you're looking for some nice you <laughs> hit me up. You know. Um, all right, man. Well, anything going on? You you, you need to discuss, or we're ready no, to dive I, into I, this. I, mean, I, I think I think I think we should dive into it. Yeah. Um, I've got that Simpsons uh, song they, they did a a clip show in uh, one of their episodes. And at the end of the end of the uh, episode, it was, they kept saying, sorry for the clip show, <laughs> you know? So I, I, I uh, um, we wanted to keep the ball rolling, keep it, you know, keep the episodes coming yeah. out. And, and I thought this was a reasonable thing because there's a lot of things that, you know, we missed and, and mm-hmm. probably thought about afterwards. So, well, let's uh, go through them. Should we just sure. hit them one by one? And yeah, all right, we started off with uh, professional versus hobbyist breeders. I think I was on the side of professional breeders, and you were kind of on the hobbyist side. And, yeah, I'm, um, I'm still on the hobbyist side. Yeah, <laughs> me
1: too. <laughs> actually,
0: yeah. well, and I am a hobbyist. You know, I kind of yeah. forewent uh, be, you know, going down that route and becoming a professional breeder because I, you know, some of the things that I saw that were. Now, now, can you make it work, and can you have a great business? Of course, you can, and sure. I think there's a lot of people sure. that have that have proven that. But you know, there's not a huge amount of room, and it is a lot of work, and it does take. I think the big, big uh, reason that I didn't do it was one: I didn't want to make my livelihood dependent on selling animals, right? I didn't mm-hmm. want to have to make mm-hmm. compromising decisions or things, you know, based on that. So, um, two uh it seems like the bigger you get to to do a professional business that's viable and that makes you a lot of money um you tend to work with the animals less and you have to yeah. have, hire people and have them do the actual work with the animals and you know maybe that's that's okay in some ways but i that wasn't for me i wanted to kind yeah. of say a small batch breeder is uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's so that's kind of the the idea is is behind that but yeah I, li- I, or, no, I, li- or I like that idea that that as a professional breeder you're
1: you know you're you're more running a business than than you are you know working with your animals in the long run um mm-hmm. I mean you can you know they're your animals you can go you know mess with them when you want to or whatever but I'm just you know I think as a hobbyist breeder you you kind of do more of the all of it um yeah and, yeah. and you're not running it like a business and mm-hmm. you're not your livelihood's not dependent on it and so it just it just frees you up to to be a little less you know um, decision and business oriented and in, in your in in the things that you do and and uh, I think it, it it keeps me more plugged into the animals is why yeah. I like it and and uh, I just I I would hate I would hate to do it and wake up one day and just be like man you know I. Yeah. Uh, I I make money off this and I support my family, but I'm not really happy with the way this went. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know that any, any professional breeder is ever going to turn around and be like, yeah, nah, I don't like this. And you know, it's, it's bad. But, uh, certainly I think, you know, everybody has to have their, their time when they look back in retrospect. And I think we can think about professional breeders that, that, you know, um, I don't want to say have a bad name that, or, or like, but that, uh, I don't know, how do I want to? Put yeah, it? like I mean, you
0: can't really slip up when you're working right. with live yeah, animals. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you if you mess up and you're you know, or if you have a bad month or something and your collection goes downhill, you know, and then that affects your livelihood, which affects your mm-hmm. you know, uh, mental state, and, and you know, it can your, be kind of a snowball reputation. thing. In your reputation yeah, suffers. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it can be a, a death blow. And man, it, this industry more than any other, it seems, is pretty pretty heavily dependent on your reputation you know if you Absolutely. have any you know and and i think that shows with with a lot of people's attitude towards keeping the animals. They don't want to say, Oh, you know, I, I had a NIDO positive animal or something because then nobody will buy my animals. And so, you know, they just either don't test or they don't care or they think, ah, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. And you know, that that's, you know, maybe there's an argument for that. And maybe we discuss that on a future episode, but you know, there's choices and decisions that go in and maybe sometimes that um, stifles our our research in some ways, you know, or our learning and, and you know, the, or, or what, what I hate is when people consider things trade secrets, you know, mm-hmm. they're not going to tell you how to breed mm-hmm. an animal because it's going to give away their trade secrets. And you know, maybe that if I think if your business is that tenuous and you can't, you know, tell somebody how you produced an animal or whatever, then yeah, you're probably not fit for being a professional breeder, but yeah, anyway, that's, um, uh, I guess that's not for me to decide, but that's my attitude on it. You know, I I know it's kind of silly to to have that attitude.
1: Yeah. Well, I I mean, you know, the success that we all enjoy uh, with different animals that were actually really hard to breed, you know, a decade or two ago. um, Mm -hmm. It's not because people were like, Oh, I'm keeping this to myself. Wah ha 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 ha. You know, so I, I, you know, it's a,
0: I've we also heard down. some some horror stories of uh, people that work for professional breeders doing things like swapping th- normals for heads yeah. and things like you know kind of shady yeah. things where yeah. then it looks bad on the breeder you know because their employee did that and then people are thinking that the, this company is you know out of whack and and and, and, know, and maybe that's, that's just maybe that's yeah.
1: just employees that screw it up and you know yeah, or bring too many yeah. animals around and mm-hmm. they lose track of what's what and the wrong yep. thing ends up in the wrong tub and yep. you know i, I mean yeah. I, I don't i don't necessarily think that always happens maliciously but you sure did hear about it didn't you i yeah. mean and i'm yeah. sure it's still out there uh but yeah i mean it's it's uh it's a tough gig it's a lot of working parts i think to a professional breeders um you know um, yeah. Operation that that uh, lends itself to <clears throat> problems that really can sink your sink your name.
0: Yep, yep, that's for sure. And, and, and but at the same token, you've got a lot of and that's kind of our our blacklisting versus forgiveness episode where we talked about some of these guys persist despite their you know repeated abuse of, of their customers, you know, mm-hmm. and sending out poor yeah. animals or, or half dead animals or, you know, not reef, you know, having a good business practice. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's amazing how some of these people survive, but you know, I think if you're if you've got a passion and you really I mean that's the only thing you want to do is work with animals, I think being a professional breeder is a reasonable option, you know. Mm-hmm. It gives you the freedom to work with the animals that you wanna work with to some extent, although I do think that professional breeders do have to kinda choose animals that are more financially Uh, viable you know projects like you know you don't see a lot of professional breeders getting into like shingleback skinks because you know you have like one or two babies a year and you got to hold them back to have a big group or whatever you know they're just not really a a viable project for that and but you know at the same time a lot of times professional breeders can get some of those pet projects that they don't really make money off of that they can fund with you know the the yeah, and that. I can see you know I can see professional yeah. breeders that have their
1: their own little private interests off to the side sure. and, you know mm-hmm. it's it's uh you know it, it affords them the ability to do that and and if they're you know running a business like a business and it's like a job and you have employees and you, you know yeah. you you have your own little thing like I I, yeah, I oh. could see that but yeah. um, but I don't you I agree with you I don't think that um some of that rare, like just stuff that doesn't make sense in a more of a commercial setting. Um, you know, you're just, you're not going to see it, which sucks. And it sucks. Like, so, so once again, why I'm team hobbyist. Yeah. I don't know.
0: And I I think too, like, I I think a lot of us have, have that attitude of, well, if I'm going to have one snake, I might as well have, a pair of snakes, you know, and breed yeah. them, and, and I guess... Um,
1: I'm bad I, like that.
0: I think, yeah, I am too, and I, I think I'm kind of... It sense s- to me. I,
1: I, I just look at yeah. it like, what, what am I going to do with one? Like, yeah, I can't, yeah. you know? But I mean, and you so, can
0: enjoy one, you can set it yeah, up really no, nice, and I, have a cool, you know, but I think, you know, a lot but of us like to... you can set
1: up two real nice, yeah, too, right? Exactly. That's my yeah. mentality. Like, yeah. I'm just kind of like, hey, if I can, you know, all right, all right. So, setting, you know, having one and setting it up nice, that's, that's a win. But, mm-hmm. but if I had a pair and I set them up really nice, that's a win-win. So, yeah, you know, yeah. two wins are better than one win. That's just, <laughs> how, my, that's just how I look at it. You it's know true. I
0: mean? I mean, yeah, I can't deny that happens in my brain as well. You know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> I've got one. What am I going to do with that? You know, but I think if you're and, and I think. A lot of lot of uh, breeders, and I I think it's still the case today. You know, they they're pushing. You know, oh, you want you want to be a professional breeder. You want to keep a bunch of animals. You want to have all these projects, and you want to you know make a lot of money. And mm-hmm. and that's kind of it's almost like I I almost see it like a uh, an Amway or you know one of those multi level marketing things where it's <laughs> yeah. like really you know do we and and it's kind of funny because you are when you sell animals as pairs you're kind of funding your or or starting up your your competitor's business, you know, you're, um, and especially uh, it's, are it's you very, talking about the morph market fine, pyramid scheme? It's a, yeah, or is exactly. that what you're talking about? It's a fine line to walk, isn't it? Like, you know, with, so I guess you know that that multi-level marketing idea, you know, it kind of pushes everybody into the idea that they need to have you know a, a giant wall of of rack systems, you know, and have you know 200 animals, or else they're not really viable in the hobby. And I, and, and again, on carpets and coffee, Eric and and the guys kind of discuss that you know idea like. You know, Eric kind of was saying, I'm I'm getting back to just having a few pairs of animals that I really enjoy keeping or that are important projects, and so, you know, that's kind of. Um, I think we need a revolution back into that kind of idea you know to, mm-hmm. we can be keepers we don't have to be breeders and kind of when you straddle the line a lot of times you, you know it's it's gonna end up painful you know you, you're trying yeah. to be both a professional breeder and have a full-time job and and that's difficult you know I, i'm realizing i well i've realized this all the time not that i do anything about it but i probably have too many animals you know i need mm-hmm. to slim down my collection and and move on but you know it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> We've all got the no, disease, it, right?
1: <laughs> well, and we yeah. it, it's its easy to vacillate because there's mm-hmm. just, you know, there are so many, you know, in, in keeping, there's the ups and downs, the easy days, the hard days of like, you know, you had a long day at work and then you yeah. got to go home and clean all of those cages. You're like, ah, damn, yep. dude, what am I yep. like? This is why too am much. I like I, yeah. Why am I doing this to myself? But then mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, you, you have a great success and you're like, ah damn, that's why it. you <laughs> yeah. know? So there's I mean, too I think, many
0: I, cool reptiles. That's yeah, the problem, uh, man. They're just uh, so cool. <laughs> and so, I
1: mean, you know, I, yeah. I don't think either, I don't think either sentiment is wrong. Um, yeah. I, I, certainly can, can live in the duality
0: of my situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, you know. it's a balance, and you got to find for that sure. balance. You know, even if you're a well, professional I think that, breeder, you can't and I just think like that's continue on, I think, to expand and expand and expand. You know, you, there's some growing pains, and absolutely. Well, and
1: I think to everybody's mm-hmm. point, like you, as you grew and you learned, you realized that. And, and, and as Eric grew and Eric learned, Eric realized that it's, it's just you, you know, you have to kind of figure that out for yourself. Where's your line? Where's your level? What are you doing? What's your, you know, I mean, the, the, it's you know. It's your journey, too, dude. Yep. So, yep.
0: you know, I mean. Yeah. And I mean, we always, you know, I, I guess that was kind of my first, when, my, when I started breeding animals, I was like, okay, I produced some animals and I sold them and I made some money and, you know, that kind of thing. And then you're like, oh, well, now if I had a hundred animals, maybe I could make a hundred times that much, you know, right. and it rarely, right. rarely works that way. You know, you no, really, does,
1: yeah, it doesn't. Really.
0: Just expanding the number of animals you have does not necessarily literally expand the amount of money you're making from those animals. No. So, I, I think that's kind of a dangerous thing. You know, mm-hmm. especially when you're starting. You know, you have that excitement and everything's cool and everybody, you know, ha- talks a good game about their projects that they're passionate about. And so I think a lot of times we all start out kind of with the same projects and the same kind of – you know, everybody's, like, got a ball python boa, you know, that kind of thing, corn snake. And but I remember, Because that's what everybody's excited about and that's what everybody breeds. But, you know, yeah.
1: I remember when I kind of first met you and, and when we were kind of, you know, becoming friends, like, like you – I, I – you had this... And I, I kind of had that, like, oh, man, if I had a bunch of snakes, like, I could mm-hmm. breed a bunch of stuff, and that would be good. But then I kind of, like, pay attention to how you would just... You would work very slowly, very methodically, and, like, not, you know, not buy a ton of animals at a time, mm-hmm. but but get in on, on a, a specific project, or, or do this, or do that, and and, and do it very rationed and, and very logically. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, that was the, the first instance where I was kind of like, oh... that makes way more sense to me than um the the whole jumping in with both feet because you're you know you're leveraging your risk uh when you just start buying tons of animals and trying to do all that versus you know slow slow and steady wins the race i think uh is is probably the and and you know if you if you uh and and you know i know it's hard to uh you know when you get all geeked out about something new like that and and it's just like oh my gosh the sky's the limit with this Holy yeah. crap you know yeah. that i yeah. get you know like i i don't fault anybody for jumping in with all the all you know both feet but sure. uh but definitely that that uh you know that measured
0: slow approach yeah. uh probably is the good the good
1: way to go oh, way that's to go.
0: that's interesting I, yeah that's uh I guess i I probably learned the hard way, you know, and got got yeah. into things. Well, too I think fast everybody or, does, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so sure. that's probably where that came from. Sure. Like, okay, maybe jumping yeah. in both feet first. And I was behind up, the
1: curve. I, mean, I caught you ahead yeah. of the curve. So yeah. you know, I, I mean, and we we all learn from each other.
0: So yeah. That's, and I think I know. came came from kind of like I mean I think I was I was an adult before I had that realization like, oh, you can breed these things. You know, you can keep a pair mm-hmm. and produce babies and sell the baby, you know, that kind of idea didn't really hit me until I was an adult, you know? And so, yeah. and, and I think I was kind of forced to do things a little slower because I was a graduate student, you know, it wasn't a lot of time to yeah. be uh, producing animals and things. And so, and, you know, having a, a uh, business partner like Ben Morrill, that helped mm-hmm. a lot. And Ben's a great guy and continues to produce some really neat, neat animals and do some cool things in herpticulture. So, you know, there's a lot of good things that come out of that. And working with Steve, you know, trying to have more lizard projects. I think that just ruined me and made me want more lizards, mm-hmm. you know, instead. So yeah. <laughs> And snakes, you know, like are that. a lot more conducive for my schedule and things like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I okay. I think we've uh, we we've yeah, covered that I, I, topic. We'll, we we we'll killed move on. it. Yeah. We killed it. All oh, right, man. So, so sensationalism. We talking... we... Yeah, sensationalism. This <laughs> yeah. is
1: interesting. I, I, I yeah. um, you know, it just seems like sensationalism and and influencers and all of that has been such a front and center thing. And uh-huh. I, I just have to really be honest and say that just not into that shit I'm I you know your mm-hmm. your comments about oh you must not check out YouTube no you're exactly right dude I don't <laughs> I don't I stay away from it I I you know like I, I don't I, it's not how I choose to spend my time yeah. and um yeah. consequently I I probably have a little bit of a gap in in my knowledge about what the heck's going on in, in the hobby uh, on social media mm-hmm. um and so you know uh, I, I but I definitely can say, and there was a, I think it was a carpets and coffee episode recently where uh, one of the guys really, really went off on uh, on Brian maybe Brocek. Riley, yeah, maybe yeah. it might have been, and you know, I, I mean, I I didn't disagree with anything that he was saying. He really laid it down, and but you know, at the same time, I'm just like, ah, the whole the whole thing is so is so you know kind of a, a a big barrel of fish you know and mm-hmm. and it's like shooting fish in the barrel and you can yeah. find something wrong with what this guy's doing or that guy's doing or you yeah. know and, and it's uh you know and i i'm i certainly am not a big fan of brian and and all you know his trajectory and the hobby and you know but at the same time like i don't know man you know like yeah, does he care about his YouTube channel? Yeah, but I mean, are you gonna talk shit about a professional breeder who just cares about his his business? Well, yeah, he built that. Like that's yeah. his source of income. Yeah. Like that's how yeah. Brian pays his bills. Like oh, I get yeah. it. and, and That's how it, he has it,
0: more animals and keeps yeah, you know those yeah, animals it, it, in better conditions and things. I mean, and so it's he does have to protect. Yeah. yeah,
1: he does have to yeah. protect that, and and of I course. can see why. You know, and and so I guess it gets back into like the. The, the the subtleties of people's motivations and and on yeah. the surface it's easy to criticize but when you peel that onion back you know it's there's people are complex and and you know Brian's had some real success and some real challenges so mm-hmm. you know yeah. it, it's just one of those things where i was like man what a you know Tough, tough, tough. Because, because you could, you know, if you want to point the spotlight at anybody, it's probably easy to start picking them apart. Oh
0: yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I've I've met Brian. I've hung out with him on several occasions, and I will say he's the real deal. Like he loves animals. He he loves reptiles, and he's passionate about them. And he and he has dedicated his life to him. And I, he's a per- I don't He's, fault a, person- him for that, he's you know? a
1: personality. Like what, yeah, what, when you're a personality and, and you have a a platform and mm-hmm. an audience. Like I just think the YouTube channel for him was probably a pretty natural progression. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? And he's been like, doing I mean, it for
0: how long? I mean, this is not yeah. a new thing. He's had a YouTube yeah. channel, you know, from basically the start of YouTube. It's been yeah. a long time. So I, you know, I I think he he deserves that success. I I think he's he's worked hard for that success. And and I as far as you know, I, I mean, yeah, I've heard stories about people who've gotten the wrong animals or things. And, i you know, maybe that's that big breeder thing where he, he was just too big and wrong animals got sent out or employees were doing silly things. Who knows? You know, it's hard to say. So I'm not going to necessarily, you know, judge him or condemn him for that. But I i really I I like the guy. I don't know. Yeah. i You mm-hmm. know, and maybe that's not a popular opinion with some, but I, I think he's. He, you know, the things he's done have been mostly positive. Yeah, I I thought that Venom Hunter show was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, you know, and it was just it was just fake. And I think Scott. Iper kind of touched on that a little bit on that coffee and yep. carpets with, um, where he was talking about how, you know, just be honest there. You're not yeah. out hunting venom. Yeah. You know, that's not a thing. People don't yeah. do that, you know? Yeah. So, and, and that, that sensationalism trying to make things into things they aren't, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like that honesty. Like, you know, that's why I like the planet earth. And, you know, I think to, to your, your, uh, points on that episode, You know those those nature shows. They show the most dramatic, exciting things in nature. You know, and maybe Mm -hmm. I mean uh, the life of a python is probably not that exciting. You know, they probably sit around for most of their life. You know, you know we catch them out uh, crossing a road or something or, or traveling through the bush. That's probably a very low activity uh, you know low percentage activity that they perform is mm-hmm. being out open in the open moving around you know maybe looking for a mate or a food or something like that yeah. so um you know well, I, so, I so, so we do that sensationalize point. a little bit the, the most exciting events in nature and and then everybody maybe thinks oh that's what nature is is exciting and they go out and they're like well I don't really see anything. you know. I don't see these yeah. amazing yeah. natural events. And so I think that's to me, that's part of it, too. You have to get out and have get struck out, not find mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. and have to like sit back and just enjoy the, the rocks or the, <laughs> you know, the, and find find the beauty all around you without having to hype it up and get get you excited. I I mean, I I think we've seen a a dramatic increase in the number of people outdoors. I mean, I'm in Utah, we've got national parks here and man, the national parks are packed full of people. And, you know, that's kind of hard for me because I was, you know, used to going down when I was a kid and being able to not have to stand in line to go on a hike, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing where I just go and have the whole place to myself almost, you know, and not have to have... Fifty other people sharing that event with me and so it's harder to get out and kind of be alone in nature anymore mm-hmm. especially in some of these more uh, popular spots um, I will say if you're in one of the more popular spots if you go about a mile away from one of the main trails you're probably not going to see very many people you right. know especially if it's a more difficult route or things like that so there are ways to get away from yeah, the crowds I, I, I think, or to find little niches where you can get I think get that's away a very
1: people. astute way to say that
0: but you know sensationalism so, i think it, we're we're kind of trapped into it and, you know the youtubers they have to go with the the way youtube mm-hmm. works and youtube works off yeah. of the the sensationalism it works off of those you know whatever what's it called the the titles that are misleading that are that annoy the heck out of me the what's that called again i'm i'm not thinking straight but anyway the, the uh... <laughs> um the the Catchers, the oh god, the attention grabbers. What what's that the, called yes, when they yeah. do that? Uh, you can, maybe you I don't know. It's
1: the bait and switch, but yeah, uh, yeah, the, you know. the clickbait, click clickbait. clickbait. That's bait. What, oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. I, I, I should have came with that. Yeah, My bad. Exactly. My bad. I did not support I, I you well in that I hate the clickbait, moment. but they, they, they <clears throat> have
0: to use that because that's yeah. what the algorithm calls for, you know, yeah. and and that's why people click on these things. I guess I don't know. Maybe you know those sheeple out there clicking on stupid things make make it so but that's the way it is
1: well Um, and i mean you know i I think the the uh, everybody has this this moral idea of what the reptile hobby should be and how it mm -hmm. should be represented and you know the way people should work forward and are there better ways that we should do things and yes but we just don't, we don't get to make the, you know, the yeah. best thing you can do is be involved and be a positive, be be a positive contributor in the way that you contribute, but you're never going to, you know, control the way other people can, can, can contribute in a free and open society. You exactly. know what I mean?
0: So yeah. it is what it is. Yep. Yep. That's for sure. All right. Huh? Well, how about high priced reptiles? Any still additional fan, thoughts dude. on that? Still yeah. a fan. He's still, still like a fan. the high price. Yeah. So. I mean... Again, it goes
1: back. It goes back <laughs> to our uh, Zach and and Ryan uh, UV topic about how you know Ryan was basically saying that um, you know he was, he was talking about people going in and, and buying their first reptile and you got to set them up right and you know they they just go in and they buy whatever crappy equipment and, and they don't really learn how to take care of the animal and, and you know, and, and I just couldn't help but sit there as he's saying all this and think, yeah, but if the animal was really expensive and it was actually a purchase that, you know, um, that that mom or dad or whoever had to take pause and really um, think about, you know, would, you know, if, if and, and, you know, Ryan was saying like, oh, you can go on the internet and you can find you know, something saying this and something saying that and what you know, this person has this opinion, this person has the opposite opinion and what's right. And it's like, well, yeah, that's always out there. I mean, we don't uh, we don't incentivize the correct opinion and in, in, or, wow. or the correct information in our society. Um, it, you can, you can find, uh, the right on both, which is why we have a hard time with, you know, fact from fiction and science because there's people who are allowed to push bad science to make a counter argument. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I just kind of feel like, you know, and, and as I said on, in, in the podcast, like that mechanism of that higher priced animal making people like, Ooh, man, yeah. maybe I should like, I got to think about this. And, and, you know, it's, it's easy when you don't pay shit for something and you can buy just cheap equipment and you just slap it together. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if, if it was, if it was really an investment, then you wouldn't just settle for, well, this guy says this, this guy says that Mm, maybe that sounds right. Like you would actually go through and figure it out for yourself. So Mm. like I said, you know, I think that that, that whole idea of sifting through the opinion and stuff happens because you're invested, whether, you know, and, and maybe in a new a new keeper, uh, they're not um, as emotionally invested or they're not, you know, that's not like their thing yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't really latched onto it, but maybe if they're financially invested and it's that idea that, you know, maybe the
0: money helps drive the good decision. Sure, yeah. And, and frankly, I don't think any animal should be, you know, inexpensive to purchase, you know, you look at like the poor goldfish or beta fish or whatever, you know, just because they're, I mean, beta fish are some of the most beautiful fish out there, you know, but then they're kept in squalid conditions because they're cheap and people don't care if they live or die, you know? And I think when you equate an animal's existence to its price tag, um, then, you know, you're, you're running into problems there. And, Mm -hmm. And, but I, at the same time, I think, once you get past a certain point it it just becomes ridiculous you know like I, yeah. I don't think anything should be you know tens of thousands of dollars unless you know it it, it requires like I almost think iguanas should be you know several mm-hmm. hundred or thousand dollars you know because um, the the level of care that they require to keep them suitably is very expensive. And so maybe only people who can afford their care should be able to keep them, you know, should a Komodo dragon be 50 bucks? Of course not. You know, that just, right, right, right. That would be tragedy. So yeah, I I kind of agree that, um, higher priced animals make you think twice about how you're keeping them. You're going to do all you can. You're going to take them to the vet when they're sick. If you have an animal that's worth Thirty dollars in your, you know, and then you've got that in your head. Like this is a thirty-dollar animal. Are you going to go to the vet and spend a hundred dollars to have the vet check it out? Probably mm-hmm. not. You're probably going right. to go. Well, I'll just buy another thirty-dollar animal, exactly. or three thirty-dollar animals for the price of that vet check. And so that's where it becomes difficult, and you make these ethical decisions based on, you know, your mm-hmm. money, your pocketbook, and that should not be the case. So, but that's a tricky thing. I mean, as long as there's imports, we're going to mm-hmm. have. Cheap animals, and and people are going to value them less because they're cheap even though some of those yeah. cheap animals are some of the most cool you know, animals out there. Yeah. And some of those popular animals out there, but,
1: and yeah. it, it goes to, you know, like, uh, you know, I, am I'm, I'm into, uh, shooting, I'm a, a sporting mm-hmm. enthusiast and, and the price of ammunition right now is absolutely crazy <laughs> yeah. because you just can't get it. It's, it's yep. a supply yep. and demand thing. So, yeah. you know, if, if we're talking about,
0: um, you know, Turn my phone down here, sorry, man. I, I think it's so funny. Like I, I'm surprised more gun stores don't vote Democrat because it seems like every time a Democrat gets elected, it's gun like, sales go through the roof and like yeah. ammunition sales. It's, like that's I'd why be. It's, such a, silly, it's yeah. such a silly. It's such a silly. It's such a silly thing. To, it's really. To, you ridiculous know, the the
1: best thing for gun sales are democrats i don't know why that <laughs> yeah. where where that like
0: yeah because you know. they're and gonna no, come and, and, take and, and, your guns <laughs>
1: well and you look at it it's like they start talking about that and then and then it gets brought up and like nothing happens because yeah. every politician knows that's a loser you don't want to oh, yeah. be on the the bad
0: side of that and yeah you know politicians it, are not stupid they know what yeah, topics yeah. not and, to, to touch yeah
1: and I don't think that we, we need to take away gun rights. I think we just need to make sure that we make good gun laws that make sense. And yeah. we just have some holes in what we do now that doesn't uh, make any sense. I, uh, so, that's
0: a that's the most complex topic, you know, of course. It is. Probably, it's, we it's, don't want to discuss it. or tackle it yeah, here. But, I you know, know like uh, I, I heard a joke yesterday. I was listening to a podcast um uh, my brain is not functioning today, but anyway, he said something like, "There's nothing that can be done." Says the only um, country where the problem happens, you know, like the yeah <laughs> the number of I mean, mass shootings and things like that is ridiculous, and you know we should be yeah, better.
1: There's just but. a lot of issues underlying firearms in this country yeah. that have nothing to do with firearms. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's you know, yeah, it's I, mean, definitely, I think that's that's a big yeah. that's a big part of it, and, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, anyway, back, back, on, yeah, back yeah. on topic. But, but yeah, I, what, what, my point was that, you know, when animals get as hard to get as ammunition does, uh, prices will come up. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, the, 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 the coveting and the value of that, just through that mechanism of mm-hmm. supply and demand. Um, but since we have this flow of easy, cheap, uh, reptiles, I just, I don't think it always leads to the best of outcomes, you know what I mean?
0: And a lot of those, you know, kind of that pro versus hobbyist debate, a lot of those negative things that occur often happen through the importers because, you know, the animals come in in worse health, they have parasites, they have issues, you know, they might be on death's door, but then the person has to make the choice. Do I, sell this anyway or do i you know be ethical you know that's that's the trick and so and and you see i mean a lot of examples of animals that used to be dirt cheap and used to come in all the time and huge abundance and now we you, they don't they stopped that export of those animals and now the price just went through the roof you know a mm-hmm. good example is the crucia zebrata the um monkey-tailed skinks that were, mm-hmm. you know, basically considered garbage animals. You know, they were just $50 lizards. I mean, they're, they're pretty impressive and it. cool. They're not garbage yeah. anymore. <laughs> now, they're, now you're lucky if you find them for under 1000 But now, yeah. you know, an, an additional import uh, occurred. And so now they're mm-hmm. starting to be more reasonable, you know, down to... Yeah five six hundred dollars an animal but still you know that's a good chunk of change for most people and so they're not gonna you know if they really want that animal you know that's and that's a that's a good thing so yeah I think we're you know pretty much on the same page there but I I really think there's a limit to it you know once you get start getting into the tens of thousands of dollars it's like okay unless this is an animal that you know is is so specialized, and maybe that's the case. Maybe I'm I'm off on that. You know, maybe bowling should be ten thousand dollars a piece. Maybe people should. You know, it's it's hard to say.
1: I mean, it's tough to it's tough to say they should be ten thousand dollars a piece when nobody can reproduce them.
0: Yeah, yeah that's exactly. that's the
1: that's the thing. It's like yep, that's you know, the hard like, thing. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Like if you want if if, if 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 somebody could figure it out right and, and we say that but whatever mm-hmm. like oh if we could have a path forward where we could reproduce these then maybe ten thousand dollars an animal makes sense at some level right yeah. but right now it just doesn't even make sense like nobody's reproducing these they're all wild cots that are coming in as you know captive hatched um well, a few people know, are re- reproducing them but not and enough to s- keep yeah, up with the demand, not, yeah, you know, that's exactly, the, the key,
0: exactly.
1: I guess. Um, exactly. I, I don't think they're being reproduced in numbers enough to say yeah. that, uh, that, um, you know, the, the captive care of them are, is actually moving forward. I just mm-hmm. think that people get lucky every once in a while and no one's quite figured it out, but you know, yeah. um,
0: seems like there's been a few people that have had repeated success. I
1: think, yeah. I think, I a couple think of Europeans, defi- Yeah. Uh, I th- I yeah. think there's definitely some people who have made some good insights and mm-hmm. you know I think it's one of those things that that w- will be coming along in the coming mm-hmm. years that we pe- you know more and more people will start to as as everybody starts to do those little things that this person had some success doing this and try that try this then everybody it kind of just kind of moves it all forward and 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 gradually More and more and more and more people have success with it. So um, it's that shared that shared knowledge stuff. Yeah,
0: and I I definitely uh, could see like having that having that high bar, having that high bar probably only keeps people in there that probably should be investing that much money in Mm -hmm. animals. You know, and so, Mm -hmm. but I guess I just. I wonder how many people are are out there that have a lot of, you know, expendable income and are really good at breeding animals. You know, that's kind of – you just reduce your pool. So I guess people that do have success might be the ones to – you know, yeah, maybe they sell a few Bolans for $10,000 each, but maybe they place some Bolans out on breeding loan or whatever with people who are capable, you know, that – just need a chance to work with them and can do fantastic with them. You know, you I know. I
1: think that would be a really smart move, but yeah. you know, but that's tricky. A,
0: you know, to yeah, tell somebody a, what to do with their animals is yeah, not yeah. not our place, of course. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we can move yeah. on. Moving on, moving um, on. Hybrids and integrates from morphs. We talked about uh, the pros and cons of you know having integrates and and hybrids. This this
1: was an interesting one, and I I still feel really strongly about everything that I said about that. And and interestingly, this was brought up on... I don't remember if it was brought up on Carpets and Coffee or NPR, but Eric was just like, yeah, you know, Chuck was kind of talking about this, and and this is kind of what he said. And I guess I I was really kind of surprised that... um, it 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 sounds like the idea that that just valuing the animal for the value of 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 the animal got dismissed very quickly yeah. uh and 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 from what i heard and i you know not but heard about it but it is kind of like huh all right well you know we're we're very we're definitely very caught up in the name and the you know the
0: outward view mm-hmm. of what that is you know yeah. Um there definitely needs to be a revolution to appreciate an animal because it's because it's there, you know, <laughs> not necessarily because what what morph it has or what value somebody's placed on it, you know. And and I think there's, you know, definitely um beauty in every animal, you know, even the the dirt ugly ones have a reason they're dirt ugly and blend in nicely with dirt you know so that's kind of a cool thing too some of the most cool reptiles are those ones that are very cryptic and blend right in with their background um yeah that's a that's a tricky one i I don't think that's gonna stop and people are gonna chase the morphs and morphs are you know still one of the first questions people ask what morph is that you know and so and nobody wants to look at you know something yeah, they wanna look at the best example they can and you know usually, Well and,
1: and I mean it's just kinda like so you either you either say, All right, in carpets, morphs are bad. Uh integrates, hybrids, they're bad. Um we don't support any of that. But that's not what people do. No. They sit yeah. there and they say like, Well, morphs have their place and, and I like to look at a pretty snake or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, But I don't like hybrids and I don't like integrates and it's like, Well then, you're just stuck in a you're just stuck in a uh, you know a, an argument going two directions. Then because mm-hmm. yeah. you know there's they're they're they're, in, they're inexplicably linked to each other. You're not gonna do yep. one without the other. Uh, and and to try to say like ah this 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 morph is okay because it doesn't produce a lot of, uh, problematic stuff. Uh, but this one is totally not, you know, you're not going to control that argument that way and, or nobody's going to listen to you and people are going to do. So either, you know, morphs are bad, integrates are bad just because of the way carpets are or they're
0: not. Yeah. And And I I think that's kind of how I see it. the, The best point that came out of that, I think is that, uh, why why do we value something, you know, or devalue something because it lacks a gene, a, a mutant gene, you know, I think that's really kind Or of it has the, an extra downside couple of it.
1: names thrown onto exactly. it. That, you yeah. know, it's just I mean
0: Well, and, and you we, know. you know, just to say like, oh, this one because it has this, you know, mutated gene is worth, you know, 10 times or a hundred times the the one that doesn't yeah. have that mutated gene and, yeah. and the, the, then it just gives that perception that the one without the mutated gene is garbage and just kind of byproduct and you just feed it off to your cobra or you, you know, euthanize mm-hmm. it or something and then you're then you're just that's a business you know you're just making mm-hmm. business decisions rather than you care about the animals so i see chasing that morphs and devaluing the intergrades or hybrids is kind of that attitude i mm-hmm. i thought that was a really good point you made there so yeah. right on um zoos and hobbyists i thought that was some good information from uh, yeah steve and ryan um good discussion about you know how some of the you know downsides of working with the uh, Hobbyists and and maybe some inroads for hobbyists to work with zoos. Maybe you know hobbyists don't care that much. I don't know. Maybe uh, I I like the the idea that you could be involved in in potentially like a you know stud book or or having you know adopting some of. I I thought that was some of the best uh, advice that came out of that show was to adopt some of the methods that the zoos use, and I think that Mm kind of got revisited in the uv discussion and some of the naturalistic discussions and things like that you know Mm -hmm. zoos kind of have the opportunity to pave the way and i think i think a good way that zoos and hobbyists can work together is that we can learn from how zoos do things and you know if, if they were more apt to share that information you know how to build a big naturalistic enclosure or how to make that work successfully or share technology ideas on how to you know make the sunrise in your cage that kind of thing or how to um do things uh you know in a a economical manner because you know that's what zoos become good at sure. i think
1: well there are, uh, there are a lot of smart keepers out there yeah. working for zoos and they're they're networked i mean you could obviously see that steve and and ryan were were kind of networked they knew each other they they mm-hmm. you know obviously when they do uh you know inspections uh for other keepers and stuff they'll go do it for each other so you know i, yeah. I just think there's that 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 great network that you know you got to find a way to plug those couple of things into to the private hobby and and mm-hmm. uh and, and you know figure out ways we can benefit each other
0: yeah. yeah that was that was my biggest takeaway was to to try to adopt some of the things that zoos are doing and then, you know i'm mm-hmm. trying to do that with my collection get bigger caging for the animals make them more um, you know naturalistic or or you know those kind of things I, I like that idea i like the idea of going into my reptile room and having part of australia or whatever in, mm-hmm. in my reptile room you know and uh that's of course, if you're breeding animals, you probably need to have some rack systems for the babies because who has, you know, room for 20 naturalistic cages for 20 right. hatchlings, you know, and if you have more than one clutch, you know, you're, you're out of room real quick. And so, yeah,
1: well, and I think that was one of the things that came out of the naturalistic versus sterile, you know, conversation as well as, is, is that there's really nothing wrong with doing both, you know, yeah. that, that, that I think you know, the idea that, that, uh, racks are, are wholly lacking and it's not a good situation or, you know, you, but somehow you're, you're, you're doing a disservice to your animals by keeping them in racks. Well, there could be a case made for that, but at the same time, there's a good argument against it. And I, I think that, you know, that, that flatly just saying like, uh, racks are bad. Naturalistic setups are, are good. Everybody should do that as a yeah. it's a stupid it's a stupid argument
0: yeah yeah and, and I mean we'll hit on that in a minute but yeah there's there's a lot of um of in between as well you know Mm -hmm. it may Mm -hmm. not just be one or the other um anything else for zoos and hobbyists i think that was Mm. you know some good information good to hear it from, from perspective of zookeepers and you know i i'm i would listen to ryan did another interview i think it was reptiles at home podcast and it might even have been before this one that we did with him and uh just some great information you know Ryan and Steve are really knowledgeable and Dude. do a really good job, so, and and have yep. been really good in herpeticulture. And I think that's what mm-hmm. makes them such mm-hmm. great, you know, zookeepers. Is they know the animals, they know what yeah. they're doing in regards to animals. They didn't just get into it because they wanted to work for a zoo. They got into it because they wanted to work with reptiles in a zoo. You yeah. know, so yeah, yeah. Cool. I think that definitely both of them are uh, shining examples of people that
1: come out of the reptile industry and yep. or, or are affiliated and, and go on to work with them professionally and oh hey happy mm-hmm. birthday to terry phillip it's his birthday, oh, yeah, yeah. so i wanted to give him a shout out <laughs> i i popped into my head and we were talking about great reptile people and i'm like dang man happy birthday <laughs> dude so
0: hope you're having well, a good that day that is terry. a little random spot for it but yeah i hope, I hope it terry is brand- hey, I, now you see what people, kind of man. squirrel yeah, <laughs> yeah. What,
1: what kind of squirrel is yeah. in my brain
0: but I mean, so. speaking of zookeepers and, you know, Terry is is yeah. the man. Like he, yeah, his yeah. venomous experience and just the, his, he's just been dedicated to that field for a long time. And, you know, it's a little different. It's more of a private zoo rather than a, you know, mm-hmm. city funded zoo or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah. um, but he, he does some amazing work there, has some... uh fantastic animals i mean he's done some um, yeah, he's bred parentes you know in, in his facility and and all these different things so the guy is is the real deal and oh yeah uh, he's
1: a legit great shit. friend
0: yeah so yeah. i think that's a good spot for it he's is, yeah. you know, a very good example of a zookeeper that works well with the private hobby um mm-hmm. he you know he bred a lot of animals himself for a wh- you know for a while in his private collection he still he still does but uh less uh less upfront in the in the private sector, but uh I I,
1: I wish we could get him on. I, I hope maybe yeah. <laughs> uh maybe I can maybe I, we could Goad him into coming on and and uh doing a mild disagreement uh club uh
0: podcast, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, that would be fantastic. He, I, yeah. I love listening to him talk, and you know, the times I've just sat and chatted with him, ah, the conversations we've had have been fantastic. He's smart very dude, insightful, man. very yeah. insightful, smart dude. guy, yeah, smart dude, yeah. Well, maybe that leads us into influencers. I think Terry's yeah. my, one of my big influencers. <laughs> yeah, but and, uh, and
1: a great example of a positive influence. Exactly. Right? Yeah, like yeah, that's if if you were an oh, influencer, yeah. that's that kind of influencer I'm into. Yep. Um,
0: and I think that's why you know a little bit why he kind of left the hobby is because he he had so much attention and <laughs> he had you know yeah. both you know positive and negative people trying to ascribe negative things to him that just really weren't true well, or it, there, you and, know. And it, yeah, to
1: watch people come at and him. the drama and stuff. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, ridiculous. And it was just like, yeah. man, you guys are... It's, it's just, It was really douchey, you know what I yeah, mean? And, and, I, and I, to I, see him sour over the community a little bit because of other people and they're just...
0: I I think uh, that bothered me. I mean, influencers, I I think we kind of quantify that and say, oh, if they have this many followers or this whatever. But I think Mm -hmm. real, you know, real influencers don't need any real platform. I mean, you know what? Terry did a couple, you know, NPR interviews or, or things like that. And man, he just everybody was so keyed into whatever he was saying and 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 rightly so i mean maybe it wasn't necessarily ideas that everybody needed to adopt wholesale but uh and, and maybe kind of incorporate some of those ideas into their collections but i think regardless i mean he's a he's brilliant he he's done this for a very long time he knows the animals and and yeah
1: he changed my game for sure dude yep. i mean yep. some of the stuff that he said and 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 things he did i was just like man this is this is the, w- w- wow you know yeah. i blew my yeah. mind just blew my mind yeah
0: he's one of my big influences in in the reptile uh hobby um there's you know others i i really like early on you know casey Lazick, uh, pete coon mm-hmm. python pete um mm-hmm. frank reedys you know all these yeah. <laughs> alan rapashi like you know getting to know these guys and meeting them and and talking with them and hearing their the information they've gleaned over a lifetime of keeping reptiles, you know, it's just, that's, there's so many just great keepers out there. I got to hang out with Keith McPeak a little while back. and yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's just, you know, the, these guys are the real deal, and they, they mm-hmm. know a lot about what they're doing, and and they they don't really they don't seem to have an ego. I mean, maybe Frank a little bit, but, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they're, they're pretty good about sharing information and, and building mm-hmm. the hobby and just being that positive influence, you know, doing yeah. things for, for the animals. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're I, obviously, you know, this, this, uh, debate between, uh, the NPR and the THP guys. Um, it was, it was fun to listen to and it was even funner to be there in person, you know, watch the, mm-hmm. watch the round table around a round table, you know, and that kind of yeah. thing. So yeah. it, was, it was pretty fun. And I, I just really enjoyed hanging out with those guys and getting to know them. And Justin Smith is hilarious. He's, he's really a funny guy. You know, I, I wish he talked louder. He's kind of a quiet talker. So I missed about half the things he said, but, um, I really enjoyed getting to know. <laughs> those guys phil is very knowledgeable and just just an all-around nice guy you know he was fun to hang out with um uh, despite his driving challenges <laughs> i sorry phil i had to throw that in oh yeah oh, yeah, yeah we, we got to tease him quite a bit about that but and of course road, you know so. eric and Rob are, uh they're just great friends and i really just enjoy hanging out and herping with those guys but yeah. um you know good insights there i i think you know, there's a lot of negativity that's, you know, like we were talking about Brian Barcek a little earlier. You know, there's a lot of negative things that surround him, and a lot of people have come at him. But I think overall, I mean, his heart's in it. He's trying to do things for the right reason. and I think he gets people excited about reptiles and in, in yeah. general. I mean, it- and I and think look, it's a good thing to have. I mean,
1: there's so much that you can criticize people for, yeah. and and yeah, and I, you know, I, I get, I, I get it. People who criticize him still, it, it's not lost on them either, right? Sure. Like, it's, it's not a just a you know, um, it 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 they may not agree with it, but it is what it is, and even yeah. they'll say like, hey, it is what it is, and and you know, I think I think that's kind of the point is, and yeah. and you know, the. Uh, 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 at there's the, definitely there's definitely the, a
0: place for for constructive criticism too. I mean, like the the uh, video absolutely. they were discussing on on carpets and coffee. They were talking about you know the um, this guy put out a video saying, hey, you know, here's maybe some way you can. <laughs> take a stand on one or the other you know either be a rat guy or a naturalistic mm-hmm. cage setup guy don't don't try to straddle the fence and please you know the big breeders while trying to reach a handout to the 99 percent. you know reptile keepers whatever um and so i, and I think i know. don't think there's
1: anything wrong with no that, I mean. no uh, that's uh, fair uh uh
0: uh, uh, uh
1: you know, a coherent message right yeah. like yeah. It, it, if if you're if you're going to put things out there have a, a fucking coherent message like yeah. so it doesn't just look like you'll say whatever and you really don't i mean you're you know i yeah. i agree i I definitely agree with that but well
0: and, and you know. again we talked about you know holding people to their <laughs> the things they did when they first yeah, started out, you right, know, nobody right. wants to be held to that. And we all right. develop and gain new insights and change things. And so, you know, I think uh, for for what it's worth, there are some good influencers out there. Of course, there's others that are doing very stupid things that could mm-hmm. bring down legislation and things on uh, us. Who, but, was the, yeah. who
1: was the who was the kid whose Cobra got out? Yeah, right? uh, Oh, man. Now 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 they've got So, going back to that show where I said, and I don't remember what, oh, that was, uh, that was the pros and cons of regulation, I think I said that, Mm -hmm. uh, that basically I didn't think that um, you know events like that move the needle very much and I think that's clearly uh, uh, you know I think this guy was on YouTube too is like he had you know like he was he was out there with it and Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, clear, clearly it moved the needle. So yeah, I I, yeah. I, I retract my previous statement. <laughs> Thank you very much, buddy. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. Right. Sucks. Thank you. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I'm, we we've got to know those things are going to happen. There's going to be yeah. people out there irresponsible. I mean what is crime? It's just people doing things irresponsibly and not, you know, according to social norms. And so, you know, uh, he, he probably thought he had the right to do whatever he wanted to do with his animals, but clearly what he, whatever he was doing ended up poorly, you know, and now the rest of us may suffer because of that, at Mm -hmm. least people local to him. So yeah, uh, influencers have to be very careful with what they do. And, you know, I I don't know. That's, that's a I, I. that's a tough place to be in, I think. But I think we can all be influencers in some way, you know, be a positive influence, really um, help p- promote responsible keeping, help promote uh, people, you know, making good choices in, in the things they're doing and considering the different uh, uh, facets of herpetoculture. Um, Absolutely. It's about all we can do, right? hmm Any other thoughts on that?
1: No, no. Moving yeah. on.
0: Okay. Um, we touched on this a little bit, naturalistic versus sterile setups. I, I mean, obviously yeah. there's, there's in-betweens and I think just because you keep in a rack doesn't mean you have to have everything, you know, completely just sterile, you know, paper towels and a water bowl and that's yeah. it. You know, you can incorporate perches and hides and different things into a rack mm-hmm. system and, and you can, you know, a lot of things are more, uh, better kept in, in a rack system in some ways, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I gave the Gila monster example where yeah. they tried keeping a, in the Zoo in a very naturalistic setup, and they just didn't produce, do didn't rope, do yeah. anything. Yeah, didn't yeah. do, didn't behave naturally because they weren't being kept necessarily naturalistic. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times we have the idea that if it's got rocks and plants and, and you know, isopods, then it's naturalistic. But mm-hmm. yeah, you need to understand the animals um natural history you need to understand what they do in the wild so you can replicate those important yeah. features like Terry said you know just because he keeps prairie rattlesnakes and it snows in there you know, natural habitat. He's right. not He's shoveling not snow, snow, into, snow into, into their enclosure. In yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. So, well, and I, and I think, you know, you you see like, um, I don't remember who this person was, but they were, they were like an ecologist and they were basically talking about how, you know, humans are changing the landscape so much that what, what is a natural landscape anymore is, mm-hmm. is changing to the point where like large raptors are actually making their homes, uh, on skyscrapers and, yep. in cities and things like that. And so, this idea of what uh, uh, a natural environment versus an, accept- an acceptable environment mm-hmm. for animals, you know, wh- it, whether you're talking about a naturalistic cage or a, or a tub, or whether you're talking about a nest in a tree mm-hmm. versus a nest on a skyscraper, yeah. clearly those things aren't the same. But at the same time, here you see animals doing their natural behaviors in artificial, not normal. Environments and carrying on with their life. So I think it kind of goes to the idea that um, all animals have this plasticity in their life where, yes, it may not be a naturalistic environment, but they can still adapt to that environment and succeed as long as they're given the
0: the resources that they need to do so. Well, again, I mean, there's some species that do very well. I mean, you see, like... What the blood blood pythons I think have have mm-hmm. just exploded because they do well in those palm That's ports, because they you know? shit
1: all over everything.
0: Oh, you mean oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They I can know. they can make their home in these in these uh, modified environments, whereas other species disappear from those areas. They yeah. don't do yeah. well in palm plantations yeah. at all. You know, and so um it, it depends on. I mean, we can have a monoculture like you know in, in these in these cities. You'll see a lot of pigeons. Pigeons do great. You know, in, a, yeah. in an adapted yep. environment. And, and different species, you know, uh, can can adapt well. Others can't. And so I think, you know, it depends on the species. Sometimes you have a species that, I agree with that. you could keep in a, in a sterile box and would do just fine and, and not be affected at all because it can invade, you know, a, a human modified environment and do great and not be affected at all. So. You know, it depends on the species, I think, in some ways, and in and, and other ways, you know, we just really need to understand their natural history, what's important for them. Um, for gurnia, you know, like this uh, spiny-tailed skinks, you need, like... Rocks and cracks, or trees, or whatever they they like to hide in those cracks. So if you're meeting those needs, they're probably gonna feel secure and happy, regardless of mm-hmm. if you know the rocks are fake or the rocks are if it's wood or whatever. You know, yeah. you, you're using yep. a reed stack or something. You know, there's different uh, things. So, I, I think. And, you know, we go to, a lot of times when we're out herping, we go to junkyards and flip over tin or flip over boards and, and you find reptiles under there, you yep. know. Uh, yep. It's a lot easier than flipping rocks. You know, rocks can be a back-breaking laborious, laborious work, but, you know, so... A lot of things to consider there, but um, I, I don't think there's, you know, a definite, yes, you have to use this or that every time, and, and there's some no. middle ground, and you can make yeah. a rack setup, in some cases, better than a, than a naturalistic setup in, yeah. in And I think it's just species. a
1: situationally – it's a situationally-based thing. Sure. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know – good things to think about you know don't don't be hassling people because they don't keep animals the way you think they should right i mean unless they're grossly neglecting the animal's well-being then of course say something i mean you know a lot of people think oh a naturalistic cage i i'm going to put a light bulb on top of the cage because that replicates the sun i'm going to have a screen top because that represent you know they can have some airflow and then you know i'll just stick them in there on some dirt, you know, and put some isopods in. Well, you just made a beef jerky machine for some species, you know, if you're keeping a ball python in there, they're going to have shedding issues. They're going to dry out. They're going to be dehydrated all the time. You're going to kill them. But for other species, you know, that's probably exactly what they need and they're Mm -hmm. just fine with that. And maybe throwing a UV light in there as well and you're good to go. But, um, so, you know, I think our ideas of, uh, How we design and how we build enclosures needs to be based on the natural history of the animal, or else you're Mm -hmm. just kind of spinning your wheels, I think, or making it for you. I think there are a lot, like a lot, I would think uh, this applies to zoos as well. A lot of zoo enclosures are not necessarily for the animals because most roast reptiles displayed in a truly naturalistic environment, you won't see them you right. know, except yep. certain yep. times of the night, you know? And so, um, they, they need to consider the people coming to the zoo, want to see the animals. And you know, there, there may be changes in that regard too. Maybe you go through a zoo and you have a guide like Steve was talking about on, on the, uh, uh, zoo and hobbyist episode, um, where you might just be guided through the zoo and the zookeeper points out, Oh, you can see a, you know, the, Portion of the animal there or something. Yeah, and it's funny too when I go to the zoo and you know I might find an animal and people walk by and miss it completely and they just move on to the next cage. So as long as there's enough cages and mm-hmm. there's some animals mm-hmm. out, you know I don't think that's the biggest deal. But I like to kind of search for them no. myself, you know, and try to see if I mm-hmm. can see them b- displaying nat- natural behaviors. But that's tricky, you know, with snakes that spend mm-hmm. a lot of time in a in a hole you know not moving for months at a time sometimes yeah yeah that can be tricky
1: okay well and that's why not everything makes it out for display right yep
0: exactly not animal not all animals make good display animals you know um some animals are happy to be underground you know 90 percent of their life and never see the, the outside world okay um reptile regulations i think we yeah, hit a little I bit mean, on that earlier we did hit but, a little bit on um, it i mean
1: i think i think that, that that's kind of made my point is uh mm-hmm. you know uh regulation is one of those things that's probably coming to us uh whether we like it or not and yeah. uh you know again not support stu- not doing stupid shit and, yeah and support us supporting <laughs> and, and being active and and yeah. uh you know making sure that the 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 you know that the the type of legislation that we see is the type of legislation that we want um yeah but if we're making bad decisions and we're doing dumb stuff and we're not following you know not making an effort to follow the rules and act recklessly like that's just not going to work out good for us end yeah. of story yeah it's not for sure
0: so we got to be careful with the way we're keeping and make sure we don't get you know as, Bring as less uh, heat down on us from opposing groups as possible, but oh yeah, <laughs> that's oh, impossible. Yeah. I mean, that's impossible. There's always going to be some regulations that come out because some politician gets a wild hair or hears a story about a giant python in a drug mm-hmm. dealer's you know <laughs> yep. living room or something, and they're going to we are going to do it regardless. So that, that you know we need to support uh, groups like USARC to to defend our our mm-hmm. rights and and. Uh, Things to keeping reptiles now you know some of those rights maybe shouldn't be as as uh, as what non-negotiable as we think they might be you know sure uh, and and I think a lot of places are like my home state of Utah where, where they're making really logical and um, good changes to the reptile regulations mm-hmm. in Utah and it's been really, encouraging to see. I'm, I'm curious to talk to some of those um, wildlife officials and see how that's working out, you know, and see if that's improving the state of things. But I think it's a great, great thing. Um, all right. Blacklisting versus forgiveness. Uh, that was another one that they hit on um, in the carpets and coffee, and I think that I mean, was a a good discussion there. So yeah, maybe I maybe would, check them out and listen to that discussion. But yeah,
1: it would be a nice to have a list of shitheads. Like I, I agree, <laughs> I'm just you know being yeah. honest.
0: Yeah, um, no, it's it's a it's a tricky tricky thing. But I think you know vote with your dollar, make mm-hmm. make good decisions, just. I, I don't know, we have such a hard time when somebody has an animal we want, we're willing to take a lot of risk to yep. get that animal. And, and a lot of times it doesn't work out, you know, and maybe it works out for some people and not others. No. And maybe you get lucky and maybe it's worth the gamble. I don't know, but we kind of have that bug in us that we want to take risks if it, if it's, you know, we can acquire a certain type of animal that we've always wanted or something like that but yeah. a lot of times that you know it comes back to bite you so just be very careful in uh your dealings in the reptile industry yeah. for some reason there I seems mean, to be quite a few kind of shysters out there that try to you know sell you a good uh a, bill of, it, goods. a bill of goods that's yeah. not, not worth your money so yeah just no, be careful. for sure yeah. for sure all right. Oh, yeah. I don't know what else to say about that. I guess, no, and, I, you know, I, mean, I guess we, we shouldn't hold, like we were saying earlier, we shouldn't hold somebody to ideals they had, you know, 20 years ago necessarily mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. um, but you know, we try to let people move forward and, mm-hmm. you know, redeem themselves, I guess, by showing that they're, they're not going to do shady stuff anymore. Um, Oh, the UV debate—that was a—that was a good discussion, and I think uh, a lot of good topics were brought up. You got something else to bring up in that regard?
1: No, I just—it uh, was an interesting debate. I—I I, I think, um, you know, just being a plant guy and uh, working a lot with plant lighting, and and just some of the—you know—I was kind of heavily into plants when when uh, LEDs kind of first started coming out, and I just. Um, You know, um, have seen a lot of issues around LEDs and and most most of the time. And, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting what Ryan's doing. Um, Mm -hmm. I would like to see I would like to see his spectral curves. I would like to see a lot more of this data that is out there because my experience around LEDs is that they don't do, so a lot of times what a lot of uh, plant keepers are doing when they're growing indoors, um, they're using LEDs for their full spectrum light, their, their visible spectrum light, mm-hmm. and then they're using like a ceramic metal halide or mm-hmm. they're using um, a high energy discharge bulb to get into the, the UV um the spectrum so not saying that um you know led can't produce um uv in in the proper wavelengths or um you know it's just i I would just like to see more information around that technology before i buy in i really you know um i own all arcadia bulbs i think Mm -hmm. mixed gas tubes uh, plasma tubes are kind of a nice way to go Mm -hmm. um and, and they they do. Arcadia does a really good job of putting a lot of information about their products on their page. So I hope Ryan kind of follows suit with that and really starts to push the you know put push the data out to people so that they can see for themselves. And um, yeah. you know that there's there's definitely some some questions in my mind, and I I really like a lot of what he said and and where he wants to go and and. You know, I like his thinking around the um, where he wants to push products and and the mm-hmm. uh, the industry. Um, I just you know, I'm a show me kind of guy.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like he he understands the challenges with uh, LED UVs, and, yeah. and I think he's thought about those things. And so you know, I, I'm encouraged by that discussion. That you know he's not just trying to peddle his wares and you know yeah. get get yep. money and, and move on to the next town you know so sure. I, th- I think I uh, think I'm I'm looking forward to that as well and where he bought a, view, a UV spect spectrometer, spectrometer 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 yeah. he's Spectrum he's considering yeah, <laughs> he's considering those things and he understands the, the importance of that mm-hmm. and it sounds like they're planning on putting lots of information on their website which is helpful you know different studies and things so I look forward to seeing that and hopefully yeah. and you yeah. know him the best of luck in that regard because it's nice to push that envelope forward you know and I listened to another uh, uh, episode it's the reptiles um, in home podcast is that what it's called oh yeah reptiles reptiles at home home? yeah yeah. i think so yeah reptiles at home podcast and it's really insightful and a lot of good information on that podcast i'd recommend uh, listening to that and he's had some you know really good discussions on uv and i've been going back and listening to those and one was kind of the the dangers or the the shortcomings of uv leds by one of the arcadia folks and so Mm -hmm. you know that was a really interesting topic and i learned a lot from that but there was another um discussion on there was some uh a keeper i believe he was a zookeeper as well but he was looking at moving forward um like a uh design where you know as the day progressed you know it was like the sun was coming up in your reptile room so like different uv lights would come on in different mm-hmm. spots of the cage mm-hmm. and you know over time it was really th- and cool and i think that's Yeah. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a
1: fantastic idea. He was
0: controlling everything with a computer system and stuff like that. And so I I really think, you know, we need to move things forward and try to advance, you know, what we're doing in in the reptile hobby. I think if we can... um, continue to push the envelope and, and develop new technologies and and i like the idea of you know ryan moving forward with a, a new led bulb and hopefully he can overcome the the challenge the the challenges and use new technology to move that forward i think that's you know what what needs to happen and as soon as we say oh you know it's good enough as it is that's when we stop progressing and that's when we kind of fall sure. behind and 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 the animals are the ones that are going to lose out so we need to oh the well, the, and, and, and the, the guy think, that, that talked ahead. about his uh, development of advanced lighting systems was Sam Parrott um, okay. another uh, British guy I believe um, but really cool insights into you know UV lighting and lighting for reptiles in general mm-hmm. so good yeah. stuff good information yep. yeah
1: I think I think we'll you know I, I think it's a good like You know, like Ryan was saying, it's a good time for reptiles. And we're actually starting to see technologies that, that, uh, you know are are being targeted towards reptiles i think that you know anytime there's you know a lot of our lighting technology comes from plants right and then then you know as as somebody who creates a technology says well how do we grow this market what what are Mm -hmm. our other applications what are our off-label applications for this just like pharmaceuticals right and and that's where some of this stuff comes and and it takes those individuals to take that technology and say you know this does good for plants, but it, it's, it's not really set up for us. We need to do this. We need to do, you know, and, and goes in and does that work that, that, that really specific, like, like again, I bring it up, Arcadia, where they've really gone through and, and done different percentages of UV bulbs and, and done a lot of the informational work for people to show them, you know, what bulb to buy, how to use it. What animals will it work for? Um, yeah. And I think that's you know that's one of those things where you gotta lay that groundwork because you know like we were talking, um, you can really fuck an animal up if you just give somebody a UV bulb and tell them to stick it in their cage and run yeah. it all day long. You know, yep. I mean that yep. that Zach made that point very clear. I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, so so it's definitely not a you know and and I heard guys you know after. Ryan uh, did some other interviews who were like, "Yep, UV's the shit. Like, I'm gonna use UV on everything, and it's it's a it, it's l- listen. I'm not saying that you not using UV." It, or that uv is not necessary or you shouldn't use it on everything but it's all in how you yeah. uh, how you application it in yep. application right yep. so and exactly. and i think you know i think that message got through i think that is loud and clear but i i think um mm-hmm. you know again it's it's a it's the education piece that we need to make sure happens there and and it yep. sounded like ryan and zach were both very much on that page so yeah. hopefully you know yeah. that 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 uh that we continue to push the education piece of technology Mm -hmm. because,
0: you know, a bunch of idiots using technology is never good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and, you know, I've I've kind of gone to some different um you know had some different ideas on how to improve my um uv exposure for some of my animals especially the diurnal lizards you know but i but i have noticed like a lot of my agernia, they're not out basking all day you know they're they're out for maybe a short amount of time in the morning so i'm i'm setting up uh, video cameras, so I can kind of track and record mm-hmm. when they're out basking and how long they're out, and so then maybe I can set up the UV lights to come on for a certain amount of time, give them some exposure, and then you know if if they don't like basking with the UV, they can come out at a, a different time and get you know the the just yeah. the normal yeah, heat yeah. lamp or whatever, and so mm-hmm. you know they have that choice and they can escape it if they need to. So you know that's I guess that's the challenge is with the technologies we have, we have to. Find ways to, you know, give yep. the animals the choice or the exposure. You don't want to just have a big UV light over the top of your cage, turn it on for eight hours a day and, and say, okay, I'm good. I'm using UV. You know, that's not nobody. The, yeah, and nobody's,
1: nobody's, nobody's setups are set up yeah. and forget it. You know what I mean? Exactly. You, you need to be checking in on your, you know, on your timers yep. and on your, you know, on your animals and, and your bulbs yeah. and track, track when you put your bulbs in, yeah, Tra- track right? when you pull your bulbs out because i don't care what you're talking about there is degradation in all bulbs Mm. and you know it you know is it is is efficiency is efficiency and longevity uh uh, an engineering factor in these in these bulb creations a hundred percent but you know um at a certain level you just got to pay to play and so um you know changing your bulb every year or two years or whatever it may be necessary it may just be unavoidable because technology is only so good we cannot create things that last forever
0: yeah, um, yeah. and and so. they, I'm I'm going to invest in a, a uv or the or the what are they called the the Um, I asked, I asked Zach, I said, you know, what should I, what should I be using to monitor? And he said, I, you know, suggested investing in, uh, in one of the, um, UV meters, um, that you can get on Amazon, you know, for a Mm -hmm. couple hundred bucks or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, I'm, I'm, that's, that's the direction I'm moving in, you know, so I can monitor the output and, and kind of figure out which, which kind of, oh, I, I got a bunch of advice from Ryan, uh, as well. Um and uh um Ryan Dumas Dumas yep yep yeah, yeah. Yeah. so yeah he he was very helpful and spent quite a bit of time kind of <laughs> telling me nice. what bulbs they use and how they use them and their applications and that kind of thing so yeah very very helpful um, so, yeah, talk to as many people as you can if you're if you're looking at moving into different areas or, or, you know, utilizing UV and getting different insights and input. Don't just listen to one podcast and go, OK, now I know everything. I'm just going to move yeah. forward with it. You know, we need yeah. to. Um, well, I, I think
1: everybody needs to be a discerning consumer of information. Right. Yeah. And if you yeah. get all your information from one one spot. All right, that's, that sounds good to me. I take that. Yeah. Then you're you're you
0: you're know, doing it. You're setting
1: you're setting yourself up, is yeah. what I think. And yep. and, and agree. you know, uh, I I have been well served by getting you know the things I listen to across a, a wide path uh, of of people and and, and informational uh, sources. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's probably the the best the best way is to you know cast a wide net.
0: Yep. And, and your knowledge, you know, you gain from working with plants. I, that's, you know, very useful yeah. and, and can help you kind of say, okay, well, how is that similar or how is that different to reptiles? And how can I implement the things that I learned, you know, working with my plants into mm-hmm. keeping my reptiles? So, yeah, any, any knowledge can help you advance if you use it appropriately. So, yep. keep learning well, and keep, and you, keep you developing mean, you your mean- ideas.
1: UV yeah. for plants is a bad thing, right? It, it actually mm. damages plants and it causes a, a metabolic um, a, a reaction which actually works towards the plant's immune system where it spools up repair and, and creates metabolites that actually work to help the plant, you know, uh, repair itself. Mm. And, and um, you know, so it's so it's it's, you know, it's not the same thing, yeah. but but at the same time, like that's kind of the point. Right, like well, I mean, UV in plants works differently than yeah. UV in animals does, yeah. right? And you yeah. have to, you have to, you have to articulate that, otherwise, yep. you just miss the whole point.
0: Exactly. All I right? mean, if you just went and assumed, oh, I know UV in plants, so I know UV, or I know lighting in plants, so I know lighting in <laughs> reptiles. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're dead yep. wrong, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. It's definitely um, not everything is is you know just applicable across the board, you got to consider yeah. the the situation you're in. And also yep. um, you know like different when we talk UV, UV is a complicated issue. It's not just mm-hmm. certain I mean there's UVA, UVB, UVC. UVC is dangerous. If you have too much yep. UVC, you're you're doing your animals a disservice and and if you've got just certain wavelengths, oh. like like animals use different wavelengths for different purposes. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there might be a uh, you know, they might be exposed to some UVC and they might have that be a, a well, beneficial it, to them and but it's the balance and it's the duration and it's the choice. They can go down a burrow and get, escape that, you know. You've got to give the animal a choice to get out of the UV at sometimes as well.
1: And, 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 you know, I don't necessarily know that animals can sit there and, you know, they're, they're not, they're not, uh, they, they may be able to see certain wavelengths, but they don't, they're not spectrometers, right? They yeah. don't, they, yeah. they, you know, they, they understand what they're, but, but you know, it, it, they may not be able to see it nanometer for nanometer, yeah. right? So if in your manufacturing process, you have a problem where you should be producing, you know... UVA, but you're through a, a defect in your manufacturing process, you're producing UVC. Yeah. How do you figure that out? You, yeah. The only person who really has the the tools to figure that out is the manufacturer yeah. who's making that, right? Mm-hmm. Because the customer is going to stick a UV meter under that and be like, all right, well, I'm getting this much discharge, so yeah. I'm still good. They yeah. don't know what that nanometer discharge looks yeah. like. Yeah. But they know that it's it hasn't lost 30% of
0: its initial, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, and we, we know that manufacturers value. make mistakes and make changes based on, you know, their Absolutely. bottom line in Absolutely. a lot of ways. And so I, I had an example of a, a Falcon breeder that was purchasing their, you know, quail or something from a big commercial breeder and the commercial breeder changed or or it wasn't even the commercial breeder of the quail it was the quail food manufacturer changed one component and then it, it downstream it affected the Reproductive viability of the falcons. And so, you know, and so they had to trace that back and say, what's going on? What changed? What's different? And then they identified the problem and they had the quail food manufacturer correct that issue and it corrected the issue in the falcons. So some of these things are not simple and not easy to track down. And both the the quail breeder and the falcon breeder both lost revenue because of a change at the feed lot you know so yep. Um, yep. We, we could be having issues that maybe not even related to UV maybe it's the feed you know uh, that right. our rodents are getting that are causing issues and so yep. these things are very complex and very difficult to track down so you know um, consider a lot of different things that's mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that's the mm-hmm. that nothing's very simple um, and you need to Work it out and think it out, and and uh, make you know best decisions by what you learn. Yeah. Well, <sighs> well, this is yeah. I I I like the idea of kind of revisiting some of these topics and. I know filling in maybe some of the gaps or discussing some further issues that have come up in our in our little heads here as we uh, think about these topics. Um, If you've got any um, insights that you'd like to share with us, feel free to share those through the Facebook page or get in contact with us individually happy to hear any feedback and we appreciate those who have given us feedback in the past and hopefully we've covered i need to be better about writing those things down so we can discuss them in these um revisited shows but yeah hopefully this was uh educational and and useful to you and and you enjoyed it um uh revisiting these topics um thanks so
1: do you do you remember when we were uh saying that we only had two listeners so yeah, I was telling yeah. my daughters like yeah uh-huh. Justin and I were joking that we only had two <laughs> listeners and and my daughter Sophia's like hey I follow your podcast that means I'm one listener and then my other daughter Maya, is like yeah I follow too so we're your two listeners <laughs> I just thought that was the funniest that's thing awesome. dude
0: Yeah <laughs> So that's great. Well, at least well there you know There's some quality now. quality listeners for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no no yeah. doubt no doubt and we love you guys.
0: Yep yep. All right. Yeah, I, my my kids were talking about listening to one of the episodes there Discussing some of the topics that were brought up, or asked some some pretty interesting questions, so that was fun. I like that, man. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. I my that. youngest, my yeah. youngest daughter, Summer. She's getting into reptiles a bit more. She she wanted uh, a snake, and so I said, "Well, you know, I've got a few holdbacks. You can choose one of those to be your snake, and you can take care mm-hmm. of it and get it out and hold it and things like that." And so she chose a Woma and a Western Stimson. She couldn't decide on one, so nice she, pff, got both of them. You know. <laughs> (laughs) so yeah but she's starting to take some pictures of animals so hopefully i'll get her to sell my animals for me that'll be best of both worlds Uh, (laughs) man if you can
1: get if you can get an in-house marketing and and sales associate uh you're you're kicking (laughs) dude that's the that's my that yeah i I hate having to sell animals but yeah yeah, i I sure like keeping them and reproducing them exactly yeah (laughs) yep yep cool problems
0: all right dude. well thanks for our listeners both uh you guys yeah <laughs> and yep. keep, keep listening and yeah we appreciate it um so yeah thanks for listening and and we'll uh, be back next week with another episode bye Point